0: Welcome to episode seventy. As always, make sure you give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. On Twitter, you can find us at Podcast Hardcore. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting the podcast on Patreon so far. Uh, as always, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, the The support's very much appreciated because, like I've been saying, I'm working on some cool live stuff for this summer. So we're going to be doing some video stuff to go with that. Uh, anyways, this is episode seventy. Uh, I know I said a few episodes back that we're kind of done with like the long time coming uh, interviews. But as you'll see with my guest today and like literally four of the other in- four, four of the other interviews that I scheduled today, uh, we got a lot of long time coming, still coming to go uh, here. So um, I will say that when I uh, texted my friend Labatz tonight, too, I said, oh, I'm going to be interviewing Golia today. And all he said back was uh, Golia Mosh with like four <laughs> exclamation points. So we're gonna be talking to Nate Golia tonight, and maybe we'll be talking about some of that too. Uh, how's everything going for you tonight, Nate?
1: good Josh. yeah I'm really like excited to be here and flattered that you uh you know are having me on to talk about these uh, those heady times and everything that's still to come.
0: yeah, I'm really excited about it, too. like I said in the intro, man, like i I keep saying I don't have too many more of these blasts from the past interviews, but like i I've had you on deck for a long time and like, I'm not going to say all the names today because the interviews are going to take a little while to come out, but like, I literally have like so many more of these. I mean, the the era that we're going to be talking about tonight was, it was a special one. I mean, you and I've been talking for like a half hour already to to kind of build that curtain. So uh, we already have been kind of reminiscent about this shit. Um, So we both know, you know, I mean, these, these years were very special to us, right. You know,
1: for sure. I mean, think about it often, uh, you know, Obviously uh you know, being close friends with Greg Benoit doing the Rochester hardcore history has brought back a lot of those memories and uh just thinking about things uh that you know you want to you want to remember you remember the good times a lot more than you remember you know the bad times too which is uh which is a, which is a nice thing about memory I suppose.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And and that's something that you and I were talking about again before the interview and and I think about that a lot now especially like with recent experiences I've had positive and negative in the last few years that mm-hmm. And, and something we've all learned in the last few years is that life is definitely short. And, and you know, my friend Ben put it best, just just try to have fun with it as much as possible. You know what I mean? Like why? Why focus on the bad? You know,
1: it's it's funny, too, because like, you know, we're going to talk about a period of time that, you know, is like a, you a know, few years. And like we've just existed in that time frame, you know, since the pandemic and since you started, I think, the podcast right around the beginning of the pandemic and like, you know, that time felt so long at the time, you look back on it, you realize how short it really was. So, you know, um ready to jump in whenever you are.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely am. Let's uh let's let's stick to the the usual theme of the podcast, I guess. We'll kind of do things in a timeline. Yep. So, let's uh start first like kind of tell everybody your upbringing and uh kind of your musical influences before punk and hardcore, I guess.
1: For sure. Uh so I'm the oldest of four. Um I I was born uh in the suburbs of New York City. Uh my grandmother used to watch me during the day she had a big player piano in her living room and i found like all these all the music in it that my aunt used to like use to take lessons when she was in like kindergarten it's like i was so that's kind of like how i learned to teach myself to sort of play and read music like pretty young i wasn't like good i wasn't like a prodigy but like it was like a big part of my life uh, my dad plays guitar he plays a lot of like blues and surf rock mostly uh, so he's into a lot of like um you know less mainstream stuff, which was which is cool. Um it, when I was uh my so that my uh we lived in like a two-bedroom apartment when my third my second brother was born so my parents had three kids uh they needed to move to more space my other grandparents lived in Rochester so we moved up to Rochester um when I was in second grade. Uh in third grade I was in gym class a list uh it was like two classes would go to the same gym class so you'd have like another kid another class in there with yours. And there was a kid from the other class talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation. I didn't know any other kids who like Star Trek, so I'd re- introduce myself, and that was Greg Benoit. So that's that's how we met in uh, third grade gym class talking about Star Trek. I want to um,
0: I want to interject just for one second <laughs> since you mentioned Star Trek, and sometimes it comes up. The name Enterprise Hardcore is not uh, based off of Star Trek. I do have respect for the show, but that's not where the name comes from. I'm sorry,
1: Craverica right. Enterprises. I was actually—I think you said that in an episode. I was like, "Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. I just thought it was because it sounded cool." To be honest, um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, you know, growing up, you know, in a, the household, you know, my dad—I like said my dad was a musician, so. You know, he helped us like we would get like guitars, uh, you know, we got guitars and, and like a bass and like a drum set to like set up little like rudimentary garage band stuff over the course of like several birthdays and Christmases over the years. Uh, in middle school, I started like writing songs, mostly like, I think, you know, the stuff I was to was just, like 90s radio rock mostly and working off that. Um, you know what you call it like, alternative rock, I guess. Um, mostly influenced by like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, that, those kinds of bands. Uh, which is took me into high school, where we had like a rock band with, with my friends that kind of went through high school. Um, we didn't really play out because there's not really a scene for that kind of music the same way there is for like hardcore punk or something. The one funny story for, that I have about the band is that like in our senior year, we got we just we got tangled up in one of those Walls uh, Water Street Battle of the Bands. We had to like sell tickets to play, and because we didn't have any fans, like basically our parents bought enough tickets so that we could like get the minimum amount of tickets sold. We played first, we played our set, but then the almost the entire rest of the battle, the bands was like 2,000. It was almost all ska bands. And I think they all canceled themselves out. So we won and got like the prize of like getting to record in a real studio. And of course we go up there no one has any idea who we are. Cause there was like no one there when we played. Uh, people were just completely vexed by this band that came out of nowhere to win the battle. Uh, so that was like my first time in a recording studio um but that was right at the end of high school um and we were just going to go our separate ways like by then uh, i've been going to shows for a couple years with greg um and you know was your group of friends uh from you know that was that would go to shows and uh i wanted to play something a little bit more uh, you know underground um so actually the the, there's a double origin there for a couple bands one is that greg you know by this point was more comfortable playing drums and he wanted to start a band. A hardcore band so we started a band called Starshall Fall right at the end of high school um with Chad Pasick who is also from Fairport uh, as the other guitar player Chad introduced us to Eric Unted who you know to this day is our uh you know our big collaborator with me and Greg and you know one of our dearest friends uh, and the bass player Jason uh, came from the Eastview Mall Burger King where I worked and more than a few uh, people have passed through that Eastview Mall Burger King around that time period like a lot of kids who would come into Rochester from like the rural exurbs of, of Rochester down like by the Finger Lakes, uh, these few malls like halfway between there and the city and they would work there and then uh, come into the city. So uh, um, that was Sorry, fault. the same time, the drummer for my rock band, uh, his name was Sean. Uh, he, the, the Weldon brothers were also from Fairport. They wanted to start a like Swedish metal band that they were going to call Warblade, they had it all planned out. They just needed a drummer and a bass player. But like I owned a bass, and uh, you know, all my stuff was already at Sean's house. He was a drummer. They asked uh, Sean to join, and, and said, I said I would play bass. So I I was the the founding bass player for Warblade, which would go on to be like a really great metal bla- metal band in Rochester. Um, the best, the great part about that is that they like, you know, that's how I really like got into metal, which will of course come back a little bit later in the story, but like into like uh, the death metal stuff that. Uh, would become like you know really enmeshed with the hardcore scene a little bit later the uh the other funny story about being a warblade founding member is that uh i had to record the base parts for the demo on september twelfth, two 2001. i was going to school at brockport which is uh people aren't from the area it's it's kind of a far like the last western suburb of rochester is a small college there and i went there so i could like stick around and do bands basically but I, the recording studio was in Gates, which is right by the airport. So I had to drive on September 12, 2001, basically right around the airport. It was so quiet. I got to this guy's, it was like a basement recording studio. It was so deathly quiet because there's just no hum. It was so surreal. And then I'm tracking like these metal songs about like tearing people's heads off or something. Uh, so, but um, because I wasn't like a bass player, I didn't have like any good equipment um, or anything like that. And Starshall Fall was sort of becoming like my, where I was like, having the most influence on the music i d- decided to do star She'll fall full-time uh, warblade got a different bass player and they went on to really like i said just really great things i, I hope that uh, you know anyone who's listening i think they have some stuff on spotify uh, you should definitely uh, check them out if you're into like uh into, into metal so stars shall fall we recorded a demo so i was actually thinking how to describe this and i think that josh this will be American Nightmare had just put out their demo, I want to say, in like 99 or 2000. And I think that was exactly what we thought we were doing. <laughs> but I don't think it didn't come out that way. Uh, Eric has this great voice for like metallic music, but we were playing like old school hardcore underneath it. So it wasn't really meshing. It was like sort of the feedback we were getting. And we also kind of heard that ourselves. We played the songs from our first demo at what was the last Stand Fast Break of Dawn show was our last show with that lineup. And then um, we you know, we decided uh, to go in a different direction. Uh, Chad left the band, and we got Jason's brother Jeremy to play guitar, second guitar, and we went, you know, went back to work. So I guess that takes us up. That takes us to like summer of two thousand two. Um, but that's sort of like, yeah, the introduction for how I, you know, got into uh, playing shows in Rochester. Um, yeah, let's take a let's
0: take a pause right there because I definitely want to talk more about that era, but I want to step back just a little bit too. So um now when you were playing like in like rock bands and stuff it sounds like you were already friends with ben wall like were you already going to like hardcore shows and stuff at that point too
1: yeah so um greg was going to like a lot of shows like a lot of punk shows uh and then like got into hardcore i want to say like around our sophomore junior year so we were going to shows i just wasn't i just wasn't playing that music for another couple years at that point um but yeah, we went to, we definitely, you know, I think if I went to my first show, it would have been uh, 99 maybe. I think I went to like teen center shows in 1998, but I don't know if that really counts in the same way, like having to like get in the car and like having the fact that like Greg had his night license mattered. that was like by 99, 2000. So, um, what was the, what was the new year's, new year's eve show? Was that the new Year's of 2000 or 99? It was I 2000, it was year's 2000 yeah, yeah. I don't
0: think I would, I don't think I would have been risky enough to do a 99 2000 New Year's Eve show, even though we all knew nothing was going to happen. But I, yeah. I definitely, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have booked one. I went to well, been, been,
1: show that year, yeah. I went to I went to I'd gone to Eli. That was like, uh, I'd gone to Eli I figured a few times before that. Uh, you know, just like a classic place to have shows, uh, out in Henrietta. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, that I don't remember a lot of the shows. I most of the shows I remember from after that time period, um, because that's when I was really like, uh, you know, sort of free to go to a lot of them, um, at that point. uh but, um, but yeah, we, we were, we were listening to hardcore and and in fact, it's funny cause like the, you know, the rock band I was in, I was always bringing like these heavier parts and like trying to do like, like heavy, like melodies that were, you know, definitely like ripped out of like stand and stuff <laughs> like, but obviously that was just not going to mesh, but it is, that was going on. So that's where that sort of pull was coming apart.
0: Yes. So then I guess getting back to 2002, like you said, you guys played that last, uh, Stanfest Break of Dawn show, which obviously I just talked to Eric and Jeff about that pretty recently, and and that's something that's always kind of on the back of people's minds from around here because that was such a classic time and and place. And honestly, it's weird that you would mention Chad being in the band because Ch- I, I, Chad's a good dude, and I was definitely friends with him back then. I've, I barely even remember him being in the band because I think I remember the band more like Stars Shall Fall as, as what we're going to talk about next. Like because I booked you guys on that Mastodon show, it mm-hmm. was one of your guys' first shows, right?
1: with that yeah, would have been with that, lineup. that line our, with that line
0: that's what i mean yeah. yeah
1: our first show was with kill your idols i don't remember who i don't i don't remember if you booked it or not um our first show was with kill your Idols at analog shock i remember that so i remember i had to go to the bathroom when the analog shock bathroom was just a toilet that went to nowhere i didn't realize that <laughs> um but uh yeah uh we played maybe like a, just a few shows before up to the last stand fast show um and it was awesome like, like it was really like awesome to be, have been a part of that. Like, even though we were the first band and no one remember, we never played those songs again, like we're on the flyer forever, you know? <laughs> and it's always like, we're there, it was awesome. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, anytime anyone gets a chance to talk more in detail about that show, it's, it's great. Um, there were other, obviously those great CFS shows that have been mentioned. I, I mentioned this new year's show. Um, obviously the one that was at the fairport vfw that was a big like homecoming show for all of us we got finally got a show at fairport that wasn't at the teen center um if anyone is wondering and maybe you've heard the fairport teen center is just basically like it is like a teen center uh it's all the shows have to be free um and it's just it's it's not i mean it's it's cool that you can have shows there but it's definitely like uh like playing in an elementary school sometimes (laughs) like has that weird vibe just looks like a school on the inside um but uh but yeah yeah, no it's
0: funny too because like a couple years later like not quite the era we're talking about now but more like 2003 2004 i remember showing up with some of my buddies i just like total rick to lifestyle brought my whole distro there and was just like selling mad shit and i was just like i felt i still felt awkward because i was like 10 years older or more than some of the kids there (laughs) but I probably walked out of there with a few hundred bucks that night just selling CDs and seven inches. You know what I mean? Because
1: it was and like, that was, that was probably like my brother's grade too. You know, uh, my brother and Greg's brother are at the same age and they actually did bands like, like a few years after we started, they started doing bands. So uh, it was kind of a cool echo effect. Um, yeah. That,
0: that actually is a good sidebar for this too, though. Cause I, you were talking about siblings in the beginning of the episode. I do remember your boy, your brother, Roy, was playing in bands and stuff, but are any mm-hmm. other siblings into this kind of music at all, or are just him?
1: Well, my my next brother down, Zane, uh, he did a ska band for quite a while. He actually was in a ska band much that long after ska was uh was popular. Roy had been in the ska band for a long time. That evolved into like you know his group of he, they do a lot of uh you know like sort of heavier like indie stuff, and that's what they sort of ended up doing uh, for most of their careers. Uh, uh, and then Zane did the ska band, but then he he didn't really get he didn't like uh, make the transition from Scott to Hardcore. I think he just got into like Ghostface and moved to Pittsburgh for college. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, we all we all we, we had that such we had such a musical household. I mean, like I said, like my dad's a musician. Uh, my mom, you know, loves music. She's not a musician, but she like always listens You know, she always listened to a lot of music. And my dad, you know, like I said, he listens to like. If you ever want a, a guy to talk about how mainstream the mainstream sucks, you get my dad on. He'll talk about, and he'll, cause uh, he like talk, he like just listens to like, uh, you know, a lot of surf rock and like delta blues and like experimental music. So we we did not, he is he was not like a guy who was like, oh like it's cool that you have a guitar, I'm gonna teach you how to play Led Zeppelin riffs. He'd be like, stop playing that Led Zeppelin garbage. <laughs> and we were like practicing it, so, uh, you know, we just we just had that in our family it was was it was really good to have that, you know.
0: Yeah. So I guess reeling back again into the late 2002 uh Starshell fall era was this kind of more like the your first time like pl- us playing like 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 bigger hardcore shows and like in a band like this then at that point then right
1: god, you t- yeah you talk about booking us with Mastodon I mean she said so insane to think but, about yeah. now I do remember that I yeah. remember the show I was just like I just it never really clicked with me like oh my god like I've seen Mastodon now like play like pretty insane venues um yeah, we, we, we put together, a, we, we, we started writing songs that were we were trying to like write a more metallic tinged sound, no, not being like, I, I it was, I'm going to be honest, like, when I go back and listen to it, it sounds, I feel like I sound like a crazy person. I was trying to like synthesize all these different sounds. I was like, Oh, like, we'll have like a melodic part and we'll have like this really heavy part. Um, and we were synthesizing it. And like some of it holds up, some of it does not hold up at all. <laughs> but some of it is, it was like, I could definitely see where I was going. I just didn't really, we just didn't really know what we were doing, which is okay. I mean, I, 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 it's funny now. And I actually, I've heard, you know, since you've been doing the podcast, and I know like with uh, Paul and Josh, I, start tomorrow, I feel like, oh yeah, I remember that band. I was like, I can't believe anyone liked us. But it was, it was, uh, it was that time where it was like after Stamp Fast and Bring It On, there's those two bands like left such a huge void, right? In Rochester. And you didn't really know where things were going to go, right? could have gone anyway. And you had like the ex-StandFest bands pop up at that time, like uh, From Hell and Marathon. You had uh, The Disaster because they had on and broke up the year before. And then you had the bands that were younger than us, To Fester Within, The Breaking Project, and, and those guys uh, came up. And, um, you know, there was just a lot, there were a lot of bands and there was a lot of shows. I, that's what I remember from that time period, just like I could, like, there were so many shows and, you know, you try to go to as many of them as you could and we were playing so many of them um but uh and it was it was a blast I mean it was probably a little bit too much <laughs> at the time but um you know who knew who knew it was gonna happen uh it was really like the beginning of the internet too I'm sure that's why I think that's why I like your perspective so much I, I love how you've talked about going from like writing letters to people you know to just and like suddenly there's like internet connectivity and like you just get requests for shows like crazy you know that must have been insane
0: Dude, with that in mind, uh, shout out to EMS, Joel Staniszewski, Labatz, and anybody else that I owe these stickers to. Fuck, it's, you know, I I can't fucking write letters anymore, dude. Like, I I, I even had an envelope uh, put together for EMS's stickers a while back. And I, first of all, I had to write his name three times. So I can't write for shit anymore because I never write anything. And then it sat on my table for so long. I spilled formula on it, dude. I just, <laughs> I'm not meant to be doing letters anymore. But I'm going to get you guys those stickers anybody else that wants them send me a say, and I, i'll try to get them out to you um but you know no dude you're right that that era though of writing letters like that was just uh i do i and even though i'm, I'm kind of like saying i can't do it now i do miss that you know what i mean like it was it was it was it was it was personal you know what i mean compared to how it is now
1: well right and the pace is so different on that i mean yeah. i came in right at the end of that i uh you know i didn't i i don't i barely i mean i had i would read on the internet about how you used to have to send letters to people and like you know do all that stuff. But that when you guys had when you had Mike Hanch on, he was talking about like doing it in the eighties. Like that's that's awesome. Like that's such a great it's such a great story that is you know kind of one of those things that that's sort of art of that that's lost a little bit. But you know, we had this like Cambrian explosion of bands and shows in Rochester in two thousand two, and you know Starshall Fall was um, we were we were we were doing okay. We're chucking along. We're we're playing songs. We're writing songs. We're playing shows um we never got to play out of town except for once actually i'll get to that now (laughs) it's easy to get like easy enough transition because uh i remember there was a show in the java's basement where uh these this band from bath was playing and all i remembered was that i remember two things about the band one was that the guitar player had this cool amp where the pv changed color when he changed channels i thought that was cool and then the singer just had this incredible stage presence reminded me of freddie mercury and I hope Paul's listening, because I always thought about Freddie Mercury. Paul and Freddie Mercury just had this very similar stage presence, just, uh, you know, so that's like open and good natured, but also just like could could belt out stuff. It was crazy. Um, I thought they were really good. I introduced myself. I gave them a Starshall Fall demo. They were called Another Day Forgotten. They were from Bath. Um, we became friends. Um, and then we played, Starshall Fall played in Bath uh, in, Paul's Basement with Army of Punch and Against the Odds, which was another band from Rochester um, that was a little bit younger than us. Uh, I think you talked about that show with, with Mike Benlin a little bit. I think he might've he might have actually booked it, or maybe I don't remember exactly who was responsible for booking it, but yeah. So that was like our time town shows. We were playing around, um, uh, but eventually another day Forgotten broke up because their uh, their guitar player was gonna like go to school to be a physicist or something. Um, and they started a new band, like a metal band. And then they recorded at that Village Gate recording studio where a number of bands have recorded and always regretted it, but it's there. <laughs> People kept going to it. Um, and I went and met them at their recording, at their recording, uh, listened to what they were doing. I was into it. it, reminded me of like being in Warblade and stuff a little bit. That was the Red Death. So we were kind of going parallel for a while. Um, they had a guitar player who couldn't go on like a weekend they wanted to do, so they asked me to fill in, and then they kind of asked me to join, and then I was kind of like in this situation where I was like, I don't, I felt kind of felt like Starship Fall might have run its course. I kind of was looking at this situation like we were kind of all over. I felt like we were kind of all over the place with our sound, um, and uh, like Greg was doing Witness at that point with uh, Adam Vernick and Rory and his brother. Uh, which was like a straight up, uh, pretty straight up, straight edge hardcore band. Um, Jason and Jeremy from our band had another band that they were doing. Uh, it was more like a, a punk band they were into. It sounded like strung out. They were like into that kind of like strung out uh, sound. Um, and I was kind of like, I kind of feel like everyone's in these other bands are pulling in the same direction. So I was like, yeah, let's, I'm I'm going to leave a uh, star, shall fall and, uh, and do this. Um, and so that was the end of Starshall Fall, but not after we we played some like insane shows uh, that you know you you so many of them you booked. I still think it's so funny that we play with Avenged Sevenfold and Plain White T's. I think that was the second Stash Fest. I don't know if you you might remember more of them than I do uh, in terms of spe- you know specific other bands, but uh, yeah, I mean that that brings us up to like yeah transitioning to the Red Death. I don't know if you want to stop oh, there for a second.
0: Well, talking about parallels, were you were you ever in Starshell Fall and Warblade at the same time? Or did one come or it was Warblade before Starshell Fall and I guess we
1: that was the same time. It was basically all the summer after high school. I was playing in one of the other band. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't I think I only played one show with Warblade. we were like our first show. It was at the Teen center. Um, but like I kind of, you know, by the end of the summer, it was that situation where it's like, I'm out of I'm out of school, I'm free, you know, I'm finally free, you know, more school, I'm gonna to go to college in, in the fall, right? Uh of working at Burger King during the day and then practicing in the afternoons and stuff uh with all my best friends. It was great. Um never get that time back. But uh but, but I kinda knew I was like it was I went, I kind of knew after a few uh after a few weeks with Warblade that like I wasn't gonna like be able to like play bass in this band. I didn't have enough money to buy bass equipment and guitar equipment. I basically had to just choose I had to choose one instrument to play seriously. So that was what happened. Yeah. Did
0: you guys play like a last show with stars Shall fall before you started doing the red death or did it just kind of fizzle out?
1: Our last show was not, we didn't play an official last show. It did, it did kind of fizzle out and we played in a garage. It was awesome. It was a really good show. Actually. I want to say it was with the Marla Singer affair because I remember Ray being there. I hope you get Ray on. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and it was. It was like I, I feel like there was a band coming through that they had booked. Like I feel like it came through them though. That they wanted like a mo- another sort of like metalish band to play with them and this band that was coming through. And I think it was out in Scottsville in like a garage. It was an awesome show. Uh, I remember That's the
0: final, that past the garage.
1: It wasn't Stefano's garage, but um, I know he had shows. Yeah. I never played over there that I can remember. But, uh,
0: I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but Ray's definitely one of the people I was referencing in the intro, and I've I've talked to him recently. And at some point, we're gonna make the schedules line up. So shout out to Ray. He's definitely good. Great. I can't wait to ham it up with him about Marl Singer. And there's so many funny stories with that dude, man. It's 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 hilarious, you know. Yeah, so I can't yeah. wait.
1: Before we jump into the red death, there are a couple things that I I wanted to ask you about one was do you remember an american nightmare show that you booked where you asked me and sean shud to do security was that at the is it was at the penny
0: did i ask you guys to do security oh <laughs> yeah. probably because they had did you guys end up doing it that night
1: yes you said all you have to do is make sure no one jumps on the speakers um i you kind of us. remember that you sit over there sean you stand over there just make sure no one jumps on the speakers that's I all you have to
0: because, do i think it's because their sound man was a total douche bag oh yo and that goes back to was the mastodon 5.0 show before that or after it had to have been after that though because that was 2002 because yeah. i know at specifically at that show i had to pay for equipment being damaged and their their sound man was a real douche and he would like mm-hmm. complain about shit i know there was like an incident recently with uh uh, I don't care about saying them. it's not like I'm i going to have them on here and they didn't I don't know if they really did anything wrong, but I know Vane, and there's like a mic stand oh, yeah. thing in New Mexico oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And at first but, I was like, why would they fuck around with people at a venue? But then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? That sound man at the pay arcade would have done the exact same thing. I bet, you know, Yeah, that uh,
1: story was bizarre. I never understood. I didn't. I checked out of that pretty yeah. quickly. Trying to figure so, it out.
0: <laughs> I vaguely remember you guys doing that. And I can imagine because of their sound man being a douchebag and because. Um, there's one dude who I'm friends with now, Sam, who ended up doing security for them later, but like the people they had in the beginning, when I first did the first couple of shows, I was like, yo, I don't want these dudes anywhere near where the pit is. So I just told Joe from the Penny Arcade to have his security dudes just kind of hang in the back and let our people kind of, I think that's how I did it. If I'm, you know,
1: yeah, you, you, yeah, you basically said like, I don't want their security guys. I don't want like at the front of the show. Yeah. That was a, I don't remember who else was on the show. I was, I know it was American nightmare because I know
0: Death threat, striking distance, bad business, and that, and miles between us.
1: Yeah, uh, a great show, an awesome show. I'm, I, I'm sorry to say that I really only remember the American Nightmare set only for how funny it was. I'm looking at Sean, and we're like laughing at each other because we're like, we're gonna keep these people off the speakers because American Nightmare hits the first note. I think their the opening song was Hearts. so it's got that big sing-along part you know screaming against you nothing and i was like well i've given i'm lost i'm just singing along now (laughs) i'm just like putting my hands up and singing along to try and block the uh speakers more than anything but uh but yeah you guys i appreciate
0: you guys uh offering to help at least or me asking you you guys saying it was okay there's so many diy like things from those shows back then like i know i had the building on fire dudes like when I booked that, that crazy like Thursday Hope Con show at, at the uh town park or whatever. Yeah, like they were working the door, and I was just like, yo, I don't know if like cops or any weird people are gonna show up. So anytime you guys get like tens or twenties, just put those in one pocket and keep the ones and fives visible. And I would just walk by Maduro every so often, and he would just hand me the tens and the twenties, you know what I mean? Like, and that was years before I started doing any like real hustling shit, you know what I mean? So it's crazy that yeah. I already kind of had that mentality back then, you know what I mean? So, but uh, well, I'm sorry. You you had other crazy uh, things you were, you had in mind that you wanted to say. No, but- I was
1: going to talk about that show actually. I okay. I, uh, I do think there's a video out there the every time I die set where I'm standing at the front looking like a total ape. Uh, they played at last. They played after Thursday. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was because of like a driving thing or not, but um, it was. Yeah, I think they got there a little late. That yep. was a great show. I know it's become a, a bunch of times, but like again, like a thing you'll never recreate. Carry on at that show, by the way. Getting to see and then one of those things where it's like oh carry on broke up like that the where that with that was like dramatic a few months later right and i that's was like great. oh it's cool i got to saw i got to see carry on and then like years later i was like holy shit i got to see at least i got to see carry on like play a floor in like in rochester um uh no warning actually i got into them a lot more recently <laughs> like a few years ago um that album they had that has in the city on it that's such a great album for like just like working out. When I started like working out more, I would listen to that a lot. I wasn't listening to much of the time, but I was like, oh man, I got to see them too, like, like a long time ago. So um trying to think of uh just a few other a uh, few other notable shows. Like I said, there's so many of them that they uh they kinda they kind of run together. I mean we did those shows at the uh at that at this the show space on Lyle Avenue. You no, know, that was that was an interesting experiment, kinda not sure how that ended up but uh i think i think cuz i think we played a show there with found dead hanging i think Star Shall fall play with found dead hanging there oh that's the one that i booked with like
0: premonitions of war and and another another i know i know i know the one you're talking about I, i'm not going to talk about the drama that ensued after that but uh that's can... what i was saying i don't I, I was like i remember
1: that show because i love premonitions of war and like uh and i remember them and i remember found dead hanging i don't remember if it, if it was them or something else but yeah
0: um I think it was Backstabbers Inc. Maybe too, and possibly even the Red Cord, because I had the Red Cord on a show there, and it seems like that was all the same show, but I could be wrong
1: about that. Well, the other thing is too, all those bands played together so many times in that time period; yeah. it's hard to remember exactly what date and which time. Yeah, uh, especially when we talk about the Red Death a little bit and getting it started. Like, yeah, that was like really heating up. But um, but yeah, I mean, I that was definitely. Uh, I remember there was like an, I think I want to say April two thousand three. I felt like there was I think there was four shows a week between what you were booking. And what other people were booking, Um, just like I said, like an insane amount of 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 shows going on uh, in Rochester, all over the place. So, I, I, in hindsight, I I can't believe you kept your head above water. Like it was just, I
0: I definitely didn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I uh, I wish I had uh, more more uh, specific memories, but you know, it (laughs) was a long time ago. Um, So, so yeah, we should talk about around that time because I think that's when I go get into the Red Death. You want to go from there? Just talk a little bit about. Yeah. yeah, So I know
0: you said you you kind of went to the recording, check that out, and they you. So did you do like weekends with them before you officially joined the band, or did you join the band like and then start
1: playing with them? So I played the first weekend with them. uh, That was the first time they were going out of town. The Red Death used to have this huge. They had this huge band that was like had three gears, and they had spray painted the Danzig skull on it. It was rusted through, and of course, like I've never done anything like this. Here I am with like all my equipment. In the back of this van, and, I'm like, I don't, and we're driving from Bath to West Virginia, to Southwest Virginia, practically to the Tennessee border. Um, it's like a 10-hour drive to make this show, and like, yeah, we're going through the West Virginia mountains, and this is just like metal box on wheels. It was an insane experience, totally, like a lot of fun. Played that show, played the next day in Blacksburg, Virginia. That was with uh, Dominic Mastronunzio, who was their friend from Bath, who would end up being the bass player for The Red Death. Uh, he booked that show for us uh, with his band at the time, Shadows in the Silence. And then uh, Graham had gotten us a show. So it was funny because Graham was playing in this metal band, but he was booking a lot of like fast hardcore bands and listening to a lot of fast hardcore. Uh, he was like definitely more in tune with the sort of scene that like Nick Baron was having out of Buffalo at the time, even though we were playing in this metal band and he liked metal and everything, but like his like booking stuff was that. So we played in Baltimore with The Spark. <laughs> uh, in a, all I remember about the room was I had I was all wood paneling everywhere, and that we played with the Spark and another band in Baltimore. So that was the first weekend I did with them. that we came back. That's um,
0: that's another thing that doesn't come up here in a lot though is, is the whole Baltimore connection. Like I know I had Pat Martin on here in the beginning, but like mm-hmm. there was a there was a strong Baltimore connection with Rochester in all those years too. With like Game Winner, looks like rain. I don't mm-hmm. remember who was in the Spark, but Mike Riley was in like a million bands before he was in pulling teeth.
1: You yeah. Know? Mike so, Riley was in the Sprite. That's all I remember. That's what I thought. You I got to
0: speak out of turn there. I had a feeling when you said that, that's what made me start thinking of all those guys. Um, and one other quick question. Yeah, sure. I, I always forget to put this in the notes because I don't think about it because I'm not straight edge, but were, or are you straight edge?
1: I was never, I was not really straight edge ever. I may have been like for a minute, but I, I, I I'd, I'd never been like a hard drinker, heavy right. uh, drug user or anything either. Right. Um, but I just like, um, I, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't stick with it after like high school. I was just kind of like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be like a social partaker and yeah. stuff. Like I said, I never got like drunk or anything yeah. and I didn't drink out with the red death either. Well, like I just, you know, That's why I was yeah. asking
0: obviously. Cause I, I always, and honestly with you saying like the not really partaking and, and being kind of like the casual, I always assumed you're straight edge cause I've never really like seen you like, and I, and I know we haven't seen each other in years too, but like yeah. even back then you could kind of tell who wasn't, who wasn't straight edge. You know what I mean? Like, well, at so. this point, I'm
1: still not 21. We're only in 2003. I don't turn 21 for every year. Yeah, that's
0: <laughs> So true. I can't but really, even, like,
1: belly up to the bar. Yeah, but even so, point. you know how it yeah, is. But yeah, but no, sure.
0: it, it definitely kind of uh, will uh, make sense with the Red Death asking that question, obviously, though. So
1: Well, Josh is straight edge. And, yeah. like, so I was, like, you know, I, I wasn't trying. I wasn't, like, um, conscious. So, like, you know, so he wouldn't be by himself not drinking. But it was more like, well, he's not drinking either, so I don't have to. And, like, you know, he and I can, you know, you know, hang out with people. No one ever really. But when I was in the Red Death, they weren't like hard. Wasn't parting as hard as I think they were after I left. But uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but uh, yeah, I also was vegan for a long. But I was vegan for a long time up uh, until about ten years ago. Um, so uh, my wife and I were both vegan. My wife, who I met in two thousand two, uh, you know, we're still together. <laughs> uh, we have two kids. We live in Texas now. So uh, you know, it's she's been along for the whole ride. Um, so, so, that's my that's my history with that. So yeah, I'm vegan at this point. I was vegan, but not straight edge. But not really like a big drinker. But it's you know the red death that we're doing that. Um, Starship Fall. We record our last demo. All all three of the Starship Fall demos are on Greg's uh, Rochester Hardcore History SoundCloud. Um, I think that they're uh, you know if you want to listen to them and get a handle what we're doing and you know I think that would be that would be cool. I would love to hear someone else's opinion on the on the Starship Fall songs at some point. Um, I guess the other thing I want to mention before actually we get too much into the red Death was just like, cause I mentioned uh, a bunch of bands, uh, you know, after like sort of rushing in to fill the void and stay up past the break of dawn left, but you mentioned them and I, and I should have mentioned them before is building on fire, you know, my absolute favorite Rochester band of all time. I loved, I loved their, I loved their music. I loved their stage shows. Uh, obviously Sean and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, and we're playing music together for the first time, like now, which is kind of cool um but like sean and i it was funny because you, you, you like i said you would ask us to do this uh do that security I remember thinking at the time like i guess we are the two biggest dudes because like we're both just like hefty dudes um now i feel like you know a bunch of bigger stronger dudes who would have been much better suited for that show but maybe not at the time um but sean and i not, we had the same guitar i think we had the same amp too so we were like the two biggest dudes in the in like the two like heftiest dudes in rochester who both played the same orange schecter guitar it was like the second cheapest guitar at daddy's junkie music so it wasn't like we had the cheapest guitar like we both had the same thought process uh so he and i have been like you know sort of almost like kindred spirits in that way for a little bit um uh but like yeah, yeah i loved building on fire i thought they were great um the, the the episode you did talking about the about the episode you do talk about them i love i listened to them more than once and uh, I love their tour, that that the tragic tour with Standfast, like just um, really great, really great story, and almost and really too bad that they didn't, um, you know, get the chance to to play out more. So I hope to, you know, that's why you know, I just just wanted to say that. Like, Rob's been on your show a bunch, obviously, and and he's you know he's great. Um, you know, the other guys in that band are all are all nice guys too. So I just I, a lot of I remember a lot of those those great times at shows was like hanging out with those dudes and uh, you know cracking jokes and stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So.
0: Building on fire um, part two, I'm sorry, building on fire part two, I'm gonna do real soon. Uh, I wanted to keep the intro short today, because I, I I, don't know, I, I don't want to do like the three minute intros anymore. But right. uh, there's, I'm going to do like a two year anniversary, like a couple different episodes of like special people that are special to me in Rochester, and, and they're definitely gonna be a part of that. So that's gonna be then. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. Well, more, more with the uh, Red Death, and 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 so after that weekend, was it just kind of all in at that point? Or? Yeah, we're
1: we're, we're in. I'm, I I left Star fall. Record our final recording. We're we're in. Dominic's gonna move. Is, is gonna leave Virginia Tech and come up and join the band on bass. We didn't have him for a while. Uh, for a while, uh, filling out a bass for us was a guy named Jed Jed Sugars. I think he might have come up in both the Red Death and Mike Benlin episodes. For uh, fans of the podcast, to remember. Um, but yeah, Jed's big contribution to the Red Death, I got to say, was that he got us all listening to Scarhead. Um, so I'm just going to jump ahead and tell the right. This isn't is for a while, but there was, we played a Halloween show in Fulton, in Fulton, New York, which is a little bit north of Syracuse, and so we played Kings, as, it's Halloween, so we're like, let's play Kings at Crime. So we played Kings at Crime as our opener, just like completely like subverting the expectations of like the this we come out, just hit the bah, 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 bah. <laughs> people like looking around like crazy. There may be a couple of dudes there. Some guy with this huge, it's Fulton, and it's at the I want to say it was at the Polish home in Fulton. Um, they had a lot of shows there. It was there or maybe the VFW, but it's like kind of an open building. This guy had a huge like parka grabs the mic from Paul after we finish Kings of Crime and goes, shout out DMS, DMS in the house and gives it back to Paul. Then we just played the rest of our set. It was really, it was really funny. And that was the kind of that's the thing about the Red Death that was so great. We would always, we're always having fun. It was always so much fun playing with them. It really was. Um, Just an absolute blast writing songs, recording songs, playing shows, cracking jokes, listening to Scarhead in the van, and then playing like metal shows uh you know we're coming out we're all pumped up from like listening to uh to that um but uh yeah so yeah we um i want to say we played a bunch of shows around rochester um and bath and syracuse and buffalo we were really playing out like we're playing out wrote a new set oh god the first the very first thing i did though when i officially joined the red death though this is a great story uh in that it's humiliating uh (laughs) I we practiced in Graham's house, and he had this old farmhouse, and I'm like jumping around trying to get into it. I fa- I trip, I fall into the wall, and just put a huge mate-shaped dent into the sheetrock of this like old farmhouse. It's <laughs> but yeah, but we were just having a ton of fun. Uh, we recorded a, a demo with our new songs at Hopewell Studios with Dave Drago. Dave was actually in that rock band I was telling you about for a time period when I was in high school. Um, so we put that out, or we, we had that out, we were playing shows on that, uh, like I said, mostly locally. Um, I don't remember all of the extent of like our playing out in until we get to us going on our longer tours that I went on, which is only a couple of them, and not the longest tours everyone on for sure, geez. Um, but we would play like basically anywhere within a day's drive of Bath, you know, within like six hours of show. And uh, I felt like a lot of our shows, I think we played with Barrier Dead in Auburn, um we played Dead in Auburn we played in binghamton there were a lot of those kinds of bands playing that playing that scene uh we played in scranton i think we played a fest when like figure four was playing so i was like we were just i was like getting i was like, getting into that style of hardcore it's like sort of a break from red death where i was like trying to play metal um and then you know i did get back together with greg and eric adam bernick and pete kniff to do we were gonna do an all vegan band that was gonna be a side project basically of the red death and witness um called Of Wolves, uh, which is also out there. And that, if you listen to it and then you listen to like the first Barrier Dead record or anything by figure four, you'll hear what I was listening to at the time. Um, but, uh, so that's, we got into The Red Death. So like, yeah, so The Red Death, were writing songs we're playing shows. Uh, of Wolves is, is taken on as a side project. We Dom comes up, we went on a three week tour in the summer of, I guess it was the summer of 04, it would have been the next year. Um, that two of the weeks was with a band from New Jersey called with resistance, uh, they're sort of like that chaotic melodic New Jersey sound, um, sort of kindred with bands like the assistant, but like in that, you know, I I appeal to going to sound lame to say, so I don't really want to say so because, but you gotta understand it's 2003. We didn't know where all these things were going somewhere between like Thursday and then like the assistant and you know, all those kinds of bands that were just like in the New, northern New Jersey area. Um, and yeah, that was where we first, that's where we really where, um, you know, I really got to like be in the van, driving around, going on tour, playing shows of all kinds, played in uh, Detroit. Uh, which I, I, I don't remember anything about the Detroit show, except that, you know, Detroit's got like a huge Middle Eastern population. And I had like the absolute best falafel with rice I've ever had in my life. But I found out later that I had walked down like some horrifically dangerous street to get it. <laughs> I didn't even know because I was like, you know, okay, Once I walk around Rochester, how different could it be? Oh, yeah, it turned out they were like, where did you go to get that? I'm like, oh, that. we are like, oh my God. <laughs> um, but uh, highlights of that first tour, um, I think the biggest one in hindsight was getting to, we played it in a basement in Sioux Falls, South Dakota with Baroness this is right after Baroness that put out their first couple, I guess, like EPs, you know, I I loved them. i had heard them before. It was a huge thrill to get to play with them. Uh, later, I would see them in Utah with like flashing lights and stuff like at a huge venue. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it was crazy. That was like the, I don't, I had not seen them for years in between. Um, but yeah, I got to play with Baroness, uh, which was, which was fun. Um, if we played, uh in iowa a couple times uh we actually we usually get a pretty good response pretty much anywhere we played in iowa iowa city and cedar rapids uh, we played there a couple times uh, we might have done a week tour before this three-week tour that i'm forgetting about um because i know we played in iowa twice i don't remember exactly when uh we went all the way down to daytona beach um played in daytona beach in jacksonville and in jacksonville we actually stayed with sean he by that point he had left uh rochester and moved down to jacksonville so we stayed with him um got to see him again which was cool and then came back up the east coast so that was the three week tour in the summer but that's when the uh metal blade situation came in so um we'll stop there and then we can talk a little about that in a second but yeah so that's that's basically my you know first year at the red death
0: how loud was baroness in a fucking basement dude? it was so
1: fucking loud loud. oh my god yeah yeah it was loud (laughs) they did not disappoint
0: and and I I don't know how much we dive dove dive dove dove into this in the conversation with the rest of the Red Death, but it still blows my mind that you guys would play with so many of these like mosh bands when you guys were like a death metal band. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I, I yeah. So I'm gonna set this up a little bit. It's to be a little music nerdery, but like, so I was really into, and I had actually heard this band from Warblade, Prayer for Cleansing, um, and they were like a metal band with hardcore parts. They didn't have solos or anything, right? And like, Undying was a big band for us, and then the band Unearth was a big band for us around that time. And they had put out a like EP, and then they would, then they got signed to Metal Blade and put out a, a, a full length right before we went on tour for the summer tour. Um, but Unearth was playing, you know, like th- those brand, those bands were bridging. We'd see Unearth with Figure Four and Comeback Kid. You know, <laughs> in fact, uh, Greg and I went to a show in Erie that was Unearth Bane every time i die um and one other band that it would, it would really solidify how mixed this that. show was yeah. you definitely were at that show yeah. there were a ton of rochester people there because bane was playing. yeah, <laughs> we, yeah like, i mean it, it's bane and it's a and it's a four-hour drive from rochester yeah. you could bet everyone we knew was there yeah um so uh so yeah, like th- that was just it-, it is interesting. We would play with those mosh bands, but like that was just kind of like it was all sort of together. We were playing Mosh parts, you know, like yeah. it wasn't that different. Yeah. Um so uh so like those were the bands that were like sort of core to like our idea of like what our sound was gonna be. Um when we started when they when we started the band. I shouldn't even say we, but they were they were really into uh you know, they had written like they were like, we really like this band on earth, we're gonna do something with that. Undying, I'm with I'm those bands. It's cool. It's I really fun. like prayer for cleansing
0: it's funny you mentioned all that shit about all of the wolves too because that's exactly what i was thinking about when i was listening to that leading up to the interview and we'll get to that in a little bit though obviously.
1: Yeah.
0: um but i'm sorry what were you gonna say
1: no i was just gonna say that like there was there was just a lot there was a lot of crossover between those two sort of scenes and then you know what happens with the red Death eventually after i leave is that they just they lean more into the metal side they want to get away from playing with those mosh fans uh as much um because it's just not, like I said, everyone's good natured and, you know, cracking jokes. We're not like super serious and like, you know, doing mosh stuff, you know, it was, they're just, it was like a personality clash in a way, almost. Not the, And like most people, and it's one of those things where it's like the personality thing only comes out in like the expression, you know, like we would talk to those dudes. They were perfectly nice, you know, Bear your Dead, nice guys that I remember. I mean, I don't remember much about them. I, don't, I actually know the singer now very tangentially. Because uh he and I both play Magic the Gathering. And like we have a mutual friend who plays Magic the Gathering. He's like, this is the singer for Barrier. <laughs> He's like a teacher in Massachusetts uh, that plays Magic with my friends. Um so uh, but like, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, one of those, was one of those weird things that you know, you're getting into this time period where that is starting where there's starting to be like a little bit of heat, like sort of building up like like a pot like i mean there's heat all over like in terms of like bands getting hot but i mean like heat building up in the pot at hardcore and like there's just a little bit of like you know sort of the crews are popping up and people are having beef you know so we're trying to you know like they said they were trying to get away from that a little bit when i was leaving but like there was that there was that brief time period where like the idea that a band could play death metal riffs and hardcore breakdowns you know like your prayer for cleansing like your undying like your first couple on earth records you know could play with hardcore bands um and it wasn't wasn't that weird but it was just getting weirder i guess at that point but yeah i was listening to a lot of that stuff um and, and then bringing it home and, and doing of wolves which played a few shows around rochester um i think to just talk about why of wolves ended quickly uh you know we played a few shows around rochester we were we had recorded with with doug um at watchman and uh you know we were gonna go on uh, like a short weekend tour, but some of the members were just like, "I'm not really like feeling going out on tour, playing this kind of music right now because there otherwise, like a big upsurge in violence." I'm just kind of taking a break, and it was like, "Okay, respect that." You know, I knew that Red Death was going on tour soon anyway, um, so you know that was how it went with that. Um, of Wolves played a couple pretty cool shows. We played the Spark again, if you can believe it, <laughs> with a Spark with another band It's nothing like the Spark. Um, I want to say that was in uh, the basement at RIT. Um, Yeah, that would have been in uh, late 03, beginning of 04. Oh, and then Red Death, before we went on this three-week tour, we recorded the EP that they mentioned with their friend from Corning, was going to start a record label and put it out. So that's what we actually had shopping. We were not really shopping it around, but we knew a guy who knew a guy through Metal Blade. uh, And that was how it got to Metal Blade. And uh, then suddenly, the Metal Blade offer was in front of me.
0: Before we dive into that, I want to say a couple of things. And I honestly, I've never, and this might, I don't know if this is going to sound weird or not, but I've never once, aside from editing, obviously, I've never once gone back and listened to one of my own episodes. I'm going to listen to that Building on Fire one again, because we want to make sure that we're we're not going to talk about the same shit in the second one. And I now kind of want to go back and listen to the Greg Benoit one from the first one, because dude, I don't remember of wolves at all. I, and again, I feel kind of like a Dick saying that, but I don't (laughs) did him and I talk about them on the episode.
1: He might've mentioned it. Craig's very humble.
0: I feel like this is my first time ever hearing that band when you guys, because I know I would remember a band that sounds like that. Cause as you well know, like that's the kind of shit that I, I I like and go off for. And and like, I feel like I remember you guys playing in a band like that. And I know, you know, one day I'll probably illustrate the reasons why I wasn't really around, uh for those years on the podcast but i didn't go to as many shows and i stopped booking shows around that time so it's likely that the overlap is right there when i wasn't really going to a lot of shows but i still feel like i would have heard that at some point you know
1: yeah i mean i'm not offended or anything i'm not saying yeah i'm not saying like
0: that i'm more like shocked that i like i when uh, i put it on i was like i don't remember ever hearing this
1: when you said you hadn't heard it i assumed it was because you like i said like you were booking so many shows Like who knows? Like you, there were just so many bands you must have been getting demos and like listening to it to figure out what they, if they were cool. Like I, 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 that's what I was saying, like yeah, it was just, it was like a side project that was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Uh, for us, It was like we were basically blowing off steam. <laughs> uh, from, not like not like we had steam from our other bands or anything, yeah. but like uh, you know, like oh, it's like something, it's like well, it a sort of vacation from ourselves. Like yeah. we would, we could go out and like act like tough guys for a little bit, right? Um uh of wolves played with the red death uh in bath uh at like a very famous halloween show where the hue of two also played uh this is a this is a good show for uh you know, int- you know that that that's popped up on many of the nostalgia sites as well with the with a bunny swinging a chainsaw but of wolves came out we had, like we, were, we were, like really hammed it up we like put bandanas on and like pulled our hoods up and I'm like I'm just the same guy from the next band <laughs> you know just acting totally different we recorded the ep that gets you know puts things in front of them a further bit and like so, they talked about me leaving the band, uh, you know, a little bit, and they were very nice about it. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I had, I had so much fun doing the Red Death. I loved doing it. Um, I loved playing the music. But it was just like such, it was like such a stark decision to have to like go from like, hey, our friends putting out our EP, to Metal Blade Records is interested in signing us. Are we signing? And there was definitely like, something like what they said about me was that like I was like oh, am like oh man that's like too, too corporate, but I gotta be honest like, the real thing was that like we played we would play shows with Metal Blade Records bands and we would play and we would listen to Unearth album that had just come out before our tour we're like we listened to it I mean we're driving around listening to that, and I was like, I can't I I I'm not Metal Blade material. I suck. <laughs> like, I just, I, it was, it was a lot of it was like, I didn't want to admit that I was feeling that way. You know, that I was just like, cause I, I, I really want to say that because like they, they were, they were so, like I said, just like such good natured guys. Like the idea that I didn't sign this, this contract where I could have like played with them as a career sounds crazy, you know, but I just was not, I did not have like the self esteem to be in a metal metal blade band. I really, I was like, fucking queens reich has been on this label <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing i am not know it's a, a story that i think illustrates that is that we played a show i want to say it was somewhere in the midwest 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 and mid-south um the band ion dissonance which i don't know if they were a metal blade band they might have been a metal blade band they were from quebec and so we're like hanging out backstage the other bands and the Ion Dissonance guitar, this little, this little guy, this little like French Canadian guy pulls out his guitar. It's this beautiful guitar that he's had like custom made for his, himself. And he's practicing these insane sweeps and scales. And I'm watching him and I'm like, oh my God, I suck. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> I, 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 that was all I could think. I, I just had such like, you know, I hate to say, I hate to say it because it's like a joke. But I had such like imposter syndrome when the contract was in front of me. And so, yeah, like I sort of process it as like, oh yeah, like I'm too hardcore to sign it, but it wasn't really, it was only partially that. I really did think that like, I would have stayed with the band if we had had, and like Paul said, they were sending out kits to other labels. You know, I would have taken a more mid-level step, something where I could be like, okay, like I've got some time here to sort of grow into it. But I did not, I just didn't feel like Metal Blade material. And basically, exactly what I thought would happen when I let the band happen, and I was happy for them. They got a guitar player, Aaron, who was way better than me. And they, they did great with him and they had success with him. And I was always happy for them. I was never resentful or anything. Um, I was always so happy for them that they did it. Um, I wish I, 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 the extent that I wish I'd done it is more that like I wish I had had like a little bit more time to like grow with them, you know, and like be in and, and and do the band for like another year without without the pressure of like now you're a metal blade band on top of it, you know. Um, that's that's what happened with the Red Death. Like that's by side. That's like my version of the story, which is not like my side of the story. Like like they were so they were very nice, but I was like I was kind of moody, you know, at the time. You know, I wish I had gotten to like finish recording with them. I didn't, I didn't finish the recording with them. Um, I eventually, the next year, so it's 2005, I think, when I left the Red Death. Maybe it was 2004, it was like right at the end of 2004. 2005, um, they played a show with Aaron at, um, there was a club out in Henrietta. Do you remember what it was called? I don't remember what it was called. Um, but it was a club in Henrietta. My uncle lived in Henrietta. I was living with my uncle because my parents had moved into a smaller house when I moved out, uh, so I didn't have a room. So I was living with my uncle going to MCC. Uh, and I went there and I apologized for like being a moody jerk at the end of the band of like we, you know, hugged it out and we've been you know, basically like you know, without missing a beat, friends ever since. Um Josh was here in Austin visiting his cousin and uh we got to uh we had we had breakfast together and then the next day we went out again with uh Dominic, who also lives who lives here in Austin. I haven't been able to see him at all because of COVID until this until Josh came into town, you know. Um but like, we're still great friends. I'm I'm so happy. I've always been so happy and so proud of them, you know, just, I, I was so glad they got to do it, but that's, that's, that's the story. That's the capper on the, on me and the, and the red death. At
0: that point. So like you so. and I were kind of talking about before the episode and I was saying like, I, I, I don't really try to dwell on the past too much, but I definitely think a lot about like, if I would have kind of stood my ground and done things a little bit differently at the end of booking shows, like how different things could have been here. Is there ever any point that you've kind of looked back and reflected and been like i wonder like if i wouldn't have quit i would have stayed in the band for like another album or a couple tours
1: well right after i left i went on tour with undying that was a huge missed opportunity for me uh that would have been awesome i loved i I mean we loved undying we all loved them i loved them a lot i was a vegan i was vegan time and like they were a big vegan band um so yeah i mean i kind of that's really the only thing I wish I had done was gone on that tour the way kind of everything else went for them I don't think it would have gone any differently with me and the band so like it's almost like you know the one thing that I can say is that Godmakers the record they put out on uh, Siege of Amida and Ferret I don't think I would have written that you know I don't think that was going to come out of me you know, it was funny because they told the story. And I'd never really heard this story about like, uh, them meeting with, uh, the metal blade and saying that their next record was gonna have like no breakdowns and everything. I would have been the one who had be like, "No, nah, I fucking love breakdowns, man. Like we got to do more breakdowns. <laughs> I would have been like, we're gonna do more breakdowns. And I'm like, we're not, if they had been like in the band meeting before that being like, okay, so we're going to tell them no breakdowns. I would have been like, no way. So like, <laughs> you know, maybe that wouldn't have worked out anyway, <laughs> but, uh, I, I would have been writing breakdowns. I'm always writing breakdowns. Sometimes I feel like it's all I can write.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking of two other things before we bridge the gap between what you, what you've been doing and what you're doing now. Um, uh-huh. I'm going to ask them both before I forget the other, cause they, they're both related to red death. Now yeah, you're yeah. talking about being vegan back then. And I don't know if I've ever really thought to ask this of bands from like the early two thousands or even before. So was the vegan thing hard to do back then? And the, the mosh, the, the goalie, mosh going back to the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. you met, you mentioning. Putting the little mark in and, and Graham's parents' uh, barns yeah. wall or whatever. And you mentioning going on tour with or playing shows with all these mosh heavy bands that were influential. Were there ever any points in time where you were kind of like, I'll be back in a little bit, guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> like just from like being like banged up.
0: No, no, no. Just like uh, to the band or whatever. Like, I'm going, I'm i I I guess I should have worded that better, like telling the rest of the band, like I'll be back. And then you kind of Oh, yeah, going and dancing for some bands. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Josh would hit the pit too, he'd come in. You know, fun. We, we, we would both be out there trying not to hurt our fingers, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I yeah, it was it was fun. Like, that's the thing. Like, it is that sort of like you get a stress release. I'm going to answer them backwards. You know, that's why that's why I kind of that's why I like mosh bands. That's why I like a lot of mosh bands. Um, you know, I uh, and why I love playing breakdowns, because like, you know, you're building up, you're building up and you, you get that like, you know, sort of cathartic release. Um. And I think that's a great, that's a great part of hardcore, like being able to have physical release. Now you don't want to be a jerk to other people. In fact, I'm going to tell a story now that I told you before the podcast. I told you I'd tell it on this, on the this show. It's funny. <laughs> um, the only show I've been to since I went, moved to Austin because of COVID and you know, some other things that have happened, I went to see a show. It was terror I really went to see Year of the Knife and Terror. I fucking love Year of the Knife. Talk about like how much I love mosh bands. They're so good, man. They're so good. Um, but the year that I played and then another band played and I was kind of standing up against the wall in this club that sort of it is, you know, it's like, it's like the, your basic like music club stage the front and there's like a room for the, you know, for the bands. And then someone like someone was dancing like close to the crowd and they just came around and smacked me really hard in the back of the head. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but like basically what happened, you know, right leading up to this is that my wife had had a serious injury and she had been recovering for like weeks and she's basically, like, I'm like, I want to go to the show. And she's like, you know, I've been home. We'd all been in the house. And she was like, you can go. You know, she's like, you know, I'm, I'm, she was better at this point, a little bit better. Um, You can go, go ahead, go like, you know, we're going to, so don't get hurt. <laughs> and so I'm like, I got hit in the back of the head. You know, my glasses kind of slide down my face and I'm like kind of seeing stars. I don't, without thinking, I turn around, and I just shove the person who hit me in the back of the head turns out it was a kid forgetting that I have not that I am now 37 and not 23. And I'm this big guy and it's like, it's like a, you know, 20 year old kid <laughs> who's a little smaller than me. And the band goes, hey, who's that big motherfucker who just hit that little kid? And I was like, I grabbed the kid. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I just kind I just kind of like my, uh, I was kind of like not thinking straight because I just been hit in the head. I'm like, I'm really sorry. Like, like the kid kind of like, he fixed up his eyes, pissed off. Like, I just, it was embarrassing for both of us, God. Was the, band,
0: uh, was the band calling you out or using it as a mosh call at that point? No, I
1: think they were calling me out. <laughs> I felt super, I felt really bad because like, you know, it was just, it was just kind of like this sort of like, um, you know, instant reaction that I didn't, that I didn't, you know, think about in the moment. I was like, oh my God, now I've got a concussion. Uh, but anyway, so then of course, like they finished their set terror comes out vocal gets on the mic hey let's get some more positive energy in here let's close up this horseshoe <laughs> and i was so i was so embarrassed i went to the back of the crowd watched a few terror songs and i went home <laughs> i actually stopped at one of my friend's houses in austin uh who doesn't like know anything about hardcore and i was like i gotta tell you this story man i'm like so humiliated <laughs> but uh i'm always thinking like man what if the next time i go to a show in austin like that kid's gonna be there's gonna be bigger and stronger he's <laughs> gonna recognize me <laughs> and i'm older and frailer. Man, yeah, more gray hair. And he's had
0: two or three years of, of COVID lockdowns. Yeah, he's sure. one of those fucking alt-light hardcore kids now who's like anti-everything and he's gonna come out there fucking ready to rock, man. Well,
1: I wanted to go. So here's how here's how things go in Austin. One weekend we went to a beer garden that has like a playground for our kids to play at. Uh and then then and then like last week, uh tsunami played there with like 10 other bands. I think like Mind Force played. I think Drain played. Oh, that! Show. Yes, this that was that like NFL at a people. Be- or whatever. It was like a mini fest. Yeah, I mean they have they have a lot of space back there. They have a big stage, a lot of space. And I was like, I didn't go. Did Zulu, <laughs> I didn't go. Play-, Did Zulu play that? Zulu might have played it. I know they played in Austin recently. There's a show recently where the sound man got the shit kicked
0: out of him because he put on like a Trump hat or whatever. I think that might be the one. It was somewhere in Texas. Yeah, it was either there or like Texas. Fort
1: Worth yeah but if fort worth maybe a little bit more likely like this yeah. this place this place is like austin it's not gonna dude, employ truck dudes but, but you don't know the, but, um, the
0: justified arrogance dude was posting about it the other day so you can scroll back there and he's got it on there somewhere i don't know if you if you fuck with him at all on instagram he posts a lot of cool yeah. shit um, not
1: him specifically but i follow a lot of yeah. those other bands i was talking yeah. about
0: you uh you remind me of an incident i don't know if i've ever talked about this on here though but and this is like the worst band for me to have done this to this was like I don't know what year, maybe 2002, 2003, somewhere around when we're going back to the Bane thing, when we were traveling everywhere to go see Bane, Yeah. A bunch of us, a bunch of us piled into John's car and like five of us went up to Canada to go see Bain. It was like Bane strike anywhere, maybe even good riddance, like one of those kind of tours. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's not going to be all hardcore kids. You're getting the fucking, the, what, what, what would Brandon karma always call those kids? The, uh, I can't remember, but it was something funny. The, the something funny, um but anyways i'm i'm like standing there watching bane and like we're we're like you don't i never really mosh to bane i would either stage dive or sing along yeah i can remember moshing time once or twice but anyways this one like corn kid I, or whatever kid was like standing next to me doing his mosh thing and so at first i did kind of what you did i shoved him out of the way and he kept like thinking he wanted to like mosh into me so eventually you know i just punched him in the side of the head you know like thinking nothing of it and then security saw this and they must've thought that he started it because they like grabbed him and they're like <laughs> out of there and like this big thing starting. And all of a sudden Bane just like stops playing and gets off the stage. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, fringe kids. That's a brand. new will call him, oh, dude, gonna I'm say. fucking like going to get kicked out of the show now for like punching a fringe kid basically. And like now Bane's going to know it was me and think I'm an asshole or whatever. So I walked to the back of the venue. Cause remember it was like a big place. And I just like turn my shirt inside out yeah in retrospect now like did that really mean anything you know but i i nobody ever said anything again afterwards but that's going back to those dudes um from the early 2000s who would like beat people up and stuff and afterwards like you i was like man i feel like such an asshole now and i I never got a chance to apologize to dude because he literally got dragged out of the place you Uh. know but it's like when you go to those bigger shows back then it's like you're expecting just like a hardcore crowd and then you see these like fucking aggressive like mosh kids you know it's like
1: i mean we played a show in new jersey with the red death one one day where like dudes faces were bloody at the end like there was like actually there's straight up fights it wasn't like accidents these dudes were settling scores it wasn't during us uh i don't remember who we played with but um it was it was in a college in new jersey um another place where we like Altoona, pennsylvania i remember like we were like uh we were like start the van, <laughs> like someone like we hear like a sound like dunk on the back of the van <laughs> uh and uh yeah we had to make a dent in the van from whatever someone was like getting worked up about i don't remember what it was don't remember what it was at all i really don't i would go with greg and rory and Johnno to, to places like erie you know and you know that we, we we did a good job keeping that stuff was not as prominent in rochester It was prominent in a lot of other cities um and it was happening around that time that 2004 2005 time really in earnest um and uh you know it's it's funny to lo- it's funny to look back on that in a way and be like oh my god I can't believe how much of that was happening and how it was like gonna be the end of hardcore and then hardcore made it through and like today there are still really cool bands but um I just uh yeah I just wanted to round up a couple quick notes like um I did a couple other side projects I was really like, just kind of manic about playing music for a while. Um I did a band with Nick Lemesis, who had been on the show. Um that was like an old school hardcore band, right. Because I was, like, I was like, I want to try singing. I've been writing like some songs and we started like he wanted to start a whole old school band. We played a band with uh, we did a band with him and Ryan Shannon. My brother played in it as well. Uh called Thieves Auction. We played a couple of shows. Um uh I did a I, I became sort of obsessive about this idea of a power trio like like Ed Dean. So I started a band like that with a couple of dudes from Fairport, we might have played one show. Uh, we never recorded. And then after I left, so after the Red Death, after I left the Red Death, and I was, like I said, living with my uncle and Henrietta getting ready, to like kind of like getting back into college, basically, like going to MCC, because I quit college for a semester to do all these tours, thinking that like, uh, you know, this was the time, but like the Metal Blade thing, like I said, was just too much of a leap, you know? I did another three piece with Tommy and Adam, Tommy Vollmer and Adam Bernick. Uh, that was called Monolith, though, of course, like I wanted to call the band Monolith. I'm telling you, Josh, the like next week, a band from Syracuse was like, we're the new band from Syracuse called Monolith. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is like bad vibes from the start. We played a couple shows. We played, but I played one show. And then I basically was like, at that point, I moved to Buffalo to finish college at Buffalo State. And I was kind of like, I told Adam and Tommy, like, I'm just done. Like, I can't get off the couch right now and do this. Like, I was into other stuff. That was, I was like playing poker and like getting, doing college, trying to like just catch up with college that I had missed, uh, trying to finish it off. Uh, like, you know, I was living with my girlfriend, then wife, and she was finishing college. Um, you know, we're going to be finishing college in the next couple of years. So I was like feeling the pressure to catch up. And that's sort of, that was sort of when I left, um, when I left like active musicianship for a while. Um, finished college in Buffalo, moved to New York city because I'm a professional journalist. And that's where the journalism jobs are. Um, and we, you know, we lived there for 10 years. i you know, would work jobs and like I didn't have my electric guitar I sold all my electric stuff because I lived in an apartment in New York city. I had no use for it. Um, but I did have use for money because I lived in an apartment in New York city. So I sold my stuff to my brother's bandmates in Rochester. Um, uh, after but okay, so that brings. When it comes to 2016 to so 2016, this is this is the year, right? So 2016, we're getting ready to move out of New York. My wife's got her own business. It's kind of like too much overhead to have a business and two kids and live in New York City. I was working from home by that point. This is well before COVID. I had worked at home for a long time because in New York your commutes are so long that it, when they offer, what happened was the company I was working for they didn't want to keep their office because it was so expensive. Um, you know, these, these small media companies love to cut costs. So they were like, we're leasing out of floor of the office. So if anyone wants to work at home, you can work at home. By then, my son was about to be born. And I, I was thinking about just like not having to pay babysitting costs. And I was like, I'll work at home. And so I've been working at home, you know, for like 10 years because um, he's 10. I <laughs> basically started right before he came, before he was born. But in 2016, we're getting ready to move. I can move my job to, we're going to move to Utah. um, like right, way across the country. It's like a big move. But in 2016, June 2016. Oh, do I have it in here? Oh, uh, it might be a different box. Last Bane show. Last Bane show is June 2016, and we're about to move. Like literally, the next week. My wife loves Bane too, and it's one of those Rochester. Th- I mean, Rochester kids love Bane. It's got to be like the the biggest stereotype of Rochester, but. Eric and Greg were gonna go. I was gonna go meet them. It was gonna be like like my like goodbye to see because I was about to move across the country and really not see them. Um, and my wife, unfortunately, she didn't get to go. Um, I wish she had because, like I said, she loves Bane. She she still listens to Bane. That's like the her Bane and Comeback Kid are the two hardcore bands she listens to still. Like when she's like at when she goes to like work out and it's her turn to put the music on, she puts on Bane and Comeback Kid, and it's like everyone else is putting on like you know all this like new stuff. Um. And not hardcore either. So she's like, I don't know if people live to this stuff. Um uh but went to the last Bane show and it was great. I mean, did you I don't know if you went or went to the any other shows? I tickets, I had tickets
0: for one or two of those shows, but I didn't make it to any. My tickets were definitely wasted, to put it that way. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I felt bad wasting Amy's ticket, but then there were a ton of people there, so whatever. Yeah. Um uh the show was pretty the show was pretty good. Modern life is war played. That was a band that has actually a lot of lore with the, the Red Death because I want to say actually the Of Wolves started because, oh no, Graham went on tour. Graham went on tour twice with other bands. He was roading for Modern Life Is War, and then he played drums in Marathon for their tours. And that was like in between like the Red Death getting started at different times. So that was when like the Of Wolves that was like oh we can do Of Wolves now while this is happening, right? One of those times. Um, it was cool to see them. I didn't talk to them. I am remember say it was cool to see them again. And then Saves the Day played all songs from their first two albums. So they were actually good songs. Um, again, one of those bands where I was like, I can't believe they should have just broken up to the second album. So good. Um, that's tongue in cheek. If you're if you're from Saves the Day, and say this by the way. Um, and then Bane played was great. And we went to the uh, the three of us. We had a hotel room, and we were just talking. Like, yeah, man, we got to do this. I'm like, well, I'm moving to Utah in two days, but let's see. <laughs> you know. And basically what happened was like, you know, because my company was headquartered in New York and they would need me to come in for like meetings every once in a while, and they'd fly me in. And then from there, it's just like, you know, it's a short flight to Rochester, a short and pretty cheap flight up to Rochester. So I got to start jamming with Greg and Greg's brother, Jono and Sean uh, for Building on Fire, came in as set guitarist, Eric is doing vocals. And we've been working on this project like no joke since 2016. Um, In... November of 2016 obviously Trump was elected and that was actually like i picked up my acoustic guitar um because i still didn't have electric stuff i still didn't own anything electric um because i just moved there um and i and it, so i was basically playing like one of my dad's guitars through like an amp that has been left at greg's house for like 15 or 20 years uh he can, he can tell that story sometime i don't know how this amp ended up there but it's been there and it's like it's the Prax amp um and i picked up I like played a riff and I was like this riff is awesome. I'm gonna remember it. Um, and like the next the next uh you know practice that time I got there, I bought a, I bought an electric guitar and an amp at the pawn shop in, in, in Utah and uh was uh um you know brought it to practice. That's like our sort of key song now. And I was hoping that when I came on the podcast, I'd be able to share a recording, but we couldn't get in uh in before the podcast was scheduled. We would try to get time, but it's like I said with COVID, it's so hard. Um, But they're still keeping it together and I'm really excited to at some point get the chance to record and play. Hopefully this year.
0: So is it I know I and I I know I've talked to Greg before, so it's all on that episode. But you're in Texas. Greg, Sean and his brother and Greg's brother are here. And then, yeah, Syracuse.
1: Eric lives just outside Syracuse. Yeah, Uh,
0: Syracuse.
1: So I'm really the bottleneck. Yeah. So, would there be um, any
0: any possibility of playing <laughs> shows? It would just have to be like like a, a weekend, like one off type thing, or something. If you guys ever do that, huh?
1: Well, like I said, I was co- for a while in, when I was living in Utah, I was coming back to New York fairly regularly just for work. It only stopped because of COVID. In fact, uh, in February of 2020, I flew into New York from uh, from Austin. I was living here by then. Uh, and I and I got in late to New York and I was exiting to the international terminal and a flight was arriving from China and all these people come off wearing masks. It's like February, it's like look, February twenty second. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. That seems really bad. I've heard about this COVID thing from my wife because of the this global supply chain that she works in. She was like, Oh yeah, there's like factories shutting down in China for this thing. Like, that's crazy, man. I had no idea. You know, we just, I just like went to my hotel, went to my work meeting. And then the next, the next day I flew up to Rochester, we played and I'm like, all right, I'll see you in a couple months. And then, you know, didn't get back there till last year. Um, But, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're practicing more. And since, you know, things have loosened up, Sean and Jono and Greg get together and and kind of hit the, hit the set. And uh, you know, now that things have loosened up a little bit, I'm going to be able to get up there a little bit more um, this summer, hopefully. good because- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, it's like, uh, you know, um, my brother's getting married in May, <laughs> uh, in Rochester, so I'll be up there then. I don't know if we'll get a chance to play because it's kind of a whirlwind trip. But like, I like to take my kids to see my parents, you know, so that's sort of how it works. You know, it's nice that I can like get them like a change of scenery for a while. Um, it's hard on kids, man, with with COVID and stuff, and just like things are different than when we were kids. We I mean, were talking about it with uh. I forget who exactly, but, like, how you're, like, how you would just, like, take the bus and stuff to get places, and now you're, like, wondering about, like, letting your kid do that, and, like, I definitely, like, feel that a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't think I would. Um I don't know yet. I mean, my son's, you know, he's only four, so I don't have to worry about it yet, yeah. but we're, we're, I don't, I definitely, I don't know, I, things are a lot different having a daughter now, too. I will definitely say that, like, I feel... Like obviously I love my kids both the same, but I don't I don't really know how to explain it. But it's different having a daughter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think about things a lot differently now with her and like in the future and stuff like that. Like things that I probably wouldn't have thought about as much with him. I I, I don't I don't know, it's just like safety things, you know what I mean? Like with a oh with, for sure. You know, I mean my
1: son's 10 and my daughter's seven. So like yeah. I'm same deal, right? man. Like, uh yeah, just uh but you know, um it's all good. I should actually mention a couple things that I did get to see like in New York, I did do it, did go to a couple shows. One was, I got to see Trial, finally. I, I did not see them when they played Rochester. Um, that was one of those shows that was, like, before I could get there, <laughs> you know? Um, so I got to see them play in New York. Uh, that was with Another Breath, which is a band from Syracuse. That was, like, it might have been one of their last shows. Um, and then, two weeks after that, so I think that was right before my son was born, and then right after my son was born, was burnt by the sun's last show, and I slept through it because I was so tired, because of my son. I woke up at eleven thirty because someone that I knew was going there texted me. I was like, "Are you coming?" I'm like, "Oh my god, I totally forgot about it," and I fell asleep. <laughs> That's dad life for you, man. I said, I had been up with a new baby, you know, uh, that sucked. But then Eric came. Uh, Eric came and visited once. We went to see the it was Revelation Records like twenty fifth anniversary. Um, so got to see Shy Halud, um, and a couple other bands that played. It. I think Bold played it, or it was Boulder Burn B four letter band. Uh, played and, like,
0: it. I want to say, because I obviously, like, we're talking in the beginning, I talked to, to our, our mutual friend Matt Gordon about it. Yep. He, I want to say he said, like, Sensefield or or Tex, Texas is a reason, or one of those bands played that.
1: I think we, yeah, I think they played last. I think we left after the hardcore bands to get oh, back okay. to my place, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was funny. Like, Matt was the person, uh, you know he was in that he was in nobody cares which i will never i can't refer to him as roses are red nobody cares great their punk band the, the band the punk band they were was was great i mean you know kudos to forget what they did and everything with roses are red but i i do have fond memories of like nobody cares um and going to see them uh and obviously i worked with matt at the mall Burger king so uh and then so after the bane show and living in utah and getting more into things i went and saw a couple bands uh, in Utah, I already mentioned going to see Baroness, but like I did go to a DIY Space in Salt Lake City, and I uh, got to see uh, Drain and Judiciary. I love both those bands. Uh, Drain is incredible. They are—I know they're like a hype band, and maybe that's lame, but I think they're sweet. I think they're so good. Um, just like super good-natured dudes as well. Like just like the nicest, funniest. Uh, you know, they have funny stage presence. They're nice. They're like surfers. You know, it's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm hoping to get to some more shows now that COVID has kind of cleared up and my uh, and my residual embarrassment from shoving this kid two years ago has gone away. But, uh, you know, as, as things start to open up, uh, so there's some good stuff. I think like Drain's coming here and there's a couple other shows coming here um, that I'm hoping to catch, so. Yeah,
0: i make it a I'm, point. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I'm just saying, you know, of course, like getting back to Rochester and hopefully getting to, you know, put some tracks down with, with uh, this group we've got together. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's 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 nice. Like I, I still I love playing music, and I you know uh, I just you know I, I I wish I could do it more. It's one of those things where, but I love playing hardcore and metal, and you need a whole band to do that. Like um, I think I, I've posted like some videos of me playing piano. I played that Sky Came Falling riff we were talking about the other day because I listened to the Break of Dawn episode. They mentioned Sky Came Falling. I was like, I want to finally learn how to play that piano. part. It's been driving me crazy for twenty years. Um, but like yeah so i play a lot of Blake piano by myself in my garage here this is where i am now in my garage so um but uh yeah i think that kind of brings it to the end but
0: yeah that 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 sky came falling intro you did was pretty dope though I, I love that album and i've always i mean how many bands have done intros like that too you know what i mean
1: there's not a ton so it was it was a really you, don't, cool. you do not hear a lot of piano on any no. hardcore you know yeah, I, like I, one thing I always think about is like at some point I'd love to like talk about like the way music has like the way hardcore music has evolved um, over the years. and like because I was like I was talking about we were talking about the Red Death like that the way the way the sort of like death metal metalcore like coming together and then splitting apart into this like different scene that was going to be separate from the hardcore scene that had its own set of like sort of aesthetic things and like there was always that clash. We used to call it fashion core and all that stuff and then the you know crab core and all that stuff like all that stuff came out of it and like but there was a time period where that didn't have to be the case and like there are a lot of reasons that happened that really just have to do with how the music is played which i think is so fascinating like as a musician like i always find that stuff you know pretty cool so maybe at some point uh if, you know you're interested in doing that we could talk about it but uh yeah i uh I do, I yeah, I just love playing it, and uh, you know, I love getting a chance to talk about about it. So thanks so much, you know. For yeah, you know. no,
0: of course. I mean, one thing I do want to put out there that you're talking about the metal influences. That's, I don't know if I'd say it rubs me the wrong way, but like the whole new metal in hardcore. Like we were talking about another aspect of of things that are in hardcore that I, I always thought should have been separate before the interview, but that's for another day. But the whole new metal, I understand a lot of kids came of age. In that era and like i don't understand now though like people are acting like limp biscuit like they like them and i'm like is this are, are we being ironic or do people really like limp biscuit you know like i don't understand i'm really confused
1: well it's funny that you mentioned that because like uh i have been listening to a podcast where they're like going back and revisiting all the new metal albums and one of the reasons one of the things too, was like woodstock 99. i was actually at woodstock 99. uh that was like in remember there's like a documentary about it a couple of years ago maybe like last year like early in COVID. Year, yeah that kind of like resurfaced all that stuff people talking about it um and that's like defined by the Limp Bizkit fires and everything and like I went to that I saw Corn. they were sweet Rage Against Machine was awesome Metallica I only got to see all those bands because I went to this one show it was like with all my rock band friends right yeah um and like yeah like it's like kind of like it is it's interesting to see it but like yeah kids came through that and I remember a certain person who once said those first five tracks on that Slipknot album our blistering grind. Uh, that was you. <laughs> no, and I, I actually I loved that, and I was like, you know what? I'm to listen. Maybe he's yeah. right. And I grabbed it and I was like, This is actually pretty tight. <laughs> like,
0: yo, shout out to Brian Allerton for buying that CD and letting Rob Antonucci, Vinny Minervino, Vincent Minervino, and myself yeah. all burn a copy of it. But that see, that's a different that's I and see now. We're gonna start getting going down a rabbit hole, but like, and that and if we could be splitting hairs here too. I consider on a new metal band, but like not at the same time. Like when I'm talking about like all these kids that got into hardcore through new metal, and I'm not saying like, it's a bad thing, I guess I kind of am, but like bands that sound that are like hardcore bands with like new metal influences, it just confuses me, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of what you're talking about with like the whole evolution of hardcore, you know what I mean? Right, like, that's what well, I'm saying.
1: Like that, that's what's so yeah. interesting about it. Yeah. And like, I mean, again, I, we, we've, <laughs> we've been on for quite a while. I know it's, yeah. late. it's even later than it is here. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't want to respect your time but at some point yeah. we'll come and I talk about like like yeah why do so many why did so many bands get into the Tones and just sound like the Tones? and like yeah that's you know is that a new metal influence or is that something else but like yeah like oh what's that band that now they're is it orange something orange. code orange code orange yeah yeah like it was that was like i um there was like a jar it was jarring how new metal their song was that like the recent one that came out yeah um it is what it is. I it was just so different from their old stuff that it was hard to almost like yeah. put together. But you see that even like I mean, even in other bands that are like, you know, more serious, like Whitechapel, I think has like a little bit of that. And it's because new metal, some of it like had that groove that people that really ap- appeals to hardcore kids. Yeah. You just don't want to get into like, you know, certain kinds of vocal stylings. <laughs> you know exactly. That's where you yeah. get that's where you get into trouble. But um yeah. but like but, I see like especially scouts- for the day.
0: Like Scowl's touring with Limbus. Get too though, you know what I mean? It's like, how
1: incredible is that, by the yeah. way? It's good I, for them. I, I was, I was like, do I not know how to read English? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it the same Scowl? And it was the same Scowl. It's definitely oh, good for I, them, but it's just confusing. That's
0: all. I, I don't. I just don't really get it. You know yeah, be I mean? I mean, cool for like,
1: that. Um, yeah. That does remind me because I think I saw that via. Uh, you know, just wanted to shout out some of the you know cool things I've heard. You know, um, maybe cool new bands I've heard. Like I talked about Drain Judiciary Judiciary from here in Texas. Cool band. Um, but like Spaced from Buffalo. I think they're awesome. Um, I, I, uh, and their guitar player wrote me a nice note because I posted on Instagram, this band is awesome. And he was like, oh, that was really nice, man. And I was like, oh, I'm just like some dude, but thanks. Um, you're welcome. I mean, like, I think it's cool. I, I, I you know, I think I think it was right writer. I don't know if it was right around the time you stopped booking shows because it's too bad because you would have brought all these bands here, but I always loved those Righteous Jams bands. Oh yeah, just like so much fun, just like yeah. fun. You're bopping around, right? And they have that like they, the the, the guitars for space is talking about like uh, how righteous he has an influence. Like, oh yeah, man, I totally hear it. Um, um, yeah, that band's great. I, you know, am you know, like, I I, when I think about like newer hardcore bands, I think about like uh, Incendiary is like a great band. Like, really, just like hit that synthesis of all these different kinds of hardcore that are great. Sorry um, that
0: it, sorry they didn't make our top fifty breakdowns. That one is <laughs> definitely
1: a good one. For, for those for those who don't know, Josh was we were doing that the top fifty breakdowns, Jim. I was like, um, oh, here's like I got I got fifty breakdowns right here. If you need yeah. suggestions, you sent me um, a lot too.
0: That was the one that really stood out for us that we didn't already have on a list that we were thinking yeah. about. But there's as you know, there's so many.
1: There's so many of them. I mean, you guys you guys really did like a lot of the earlier yeah earlier hardcore bands which have great classic breakdowns if you ever want to do a mid a mid uh mid time of breakdowns i'll i'm i'm your guy i'll come in and talk about i'll talk about that mind over matter breakdown i'll get charts I, I just it's so good it's so well executed speaking <laughs> of bands that have good
0: breakdowns i i don't know how many years you've been in texas for and it sounds like you haven't been to that many shows there but what about bitter end have you
1: seen I, or heard them at all i haven't seen them i've heard them they're good yeah, yeah. That, yeah, good band. They don't play as much
0: anymore, but they. Would, I would. I, I've never seen them. I would love to see them live.
1: Uh, yeah, I want to feel like I have like just seen them on a show far. It's actually funny. So I've mentioned a couple of times like that. I've you know played Magic the Gathering with people, and that was actually when I like was out of hardcore. That was like my outlet for like doing like like meeting up with people and doing DIY stuff. And there is a decent amount of hardcore Magic the Gathering crossover. The only reason i mentioned that is because like one of my friends here, who's a little older than me, he's like in his forties. That I know play magic, but he like he runs venues. He like has like a restaurant owner group in Austin. He runs like venues, and I'm always like, oh man, he's he's always booking. He's always got these cool shows. Um, that one day I'm gonna like get him to get me on the list and stuff. You know, I'm like, ah, I know the, I know the guy who runs this place. Like, get you know, on the list. Well, <laughs> go buy shirts. That's how I want to do though. I want to like go buy shirts from bands. When I went to see Year of the Knife, like I was talking about, like the first thing I did was go buy a shirt. um like after they were done, just because like I, I just from being in a band, I know that is how bands make money, you know. So they're not making money from listening on Spotify. Um, they're not making, a, you know, as much money from the the door charge. But I know like buying a shirt, you know, you throw, you should definitely bring your 20, 40 bucks, get a shirt, get a hoodie. That's what helped bands, as far as I know still, you know, the best way to support them. Because um, uh it is hard to like accumulate music now. There's so much of it. The streaming services are there, you know path of least resistance but that gets back to like you know, again some other time maybe you go to detail about writing letters and exchanging records and tapes and stuff i think that stuff's so cool
0: so the streaming service is definitely a conversation for another day but i'm going to put this out there again because i know there's at least a few people that i know in the music industry that listen to this and i know there's at least a few smart tech people out there why do we still not have like a hardcore i guess band camp's the closest thing but like more like a spotify for like hardcore and punk and diy artists you know what i mean like Bandcamp's the closest thing I can think of, but like, I want like a like a Spotify thing where it's like streaming all the time or like a Pandora, but just for like DIY, you know what I mean? Like how yeah, does that- then,
1: And then also pay them and then you can pay the bands more, you know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
0: Bandcamp's like the closest thing I can think of, but like even that like is more, it's it's nowhere near the same as like Spotify or Apple music. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. like it's not set up the same, I don't know. So- I will,
1: hold on, Let me get you one thing, let me show you, hold on a second. Yeah. You know, it's funny just to talking about like how we don't have. I did buy one record since I moved to Austin, and it's this one.
0: Oh shit! <laughs> is that the reissue? It was like that's the reissue. Yeah, yeah. I just bought
1: it to put on my wall because I don't even have a record player. Uh, I was buried alive. The that of Your Perfect World. Yeah, was, I was gonna uh, say
0: people can't see. us, it, the reissue. People can't see it,
1: but yeah, yeah that's a good one. But uh, uh, yeah, like I just so that now I just kind of like buy things like oh man, it's cool. Like I just I never had this. I want to have it now. You know, when yeah. I see it around, so you know, yeah,
0: they're um, playing Syracuse. Uh, a week for a week from today when this episode airs and that's uh my girlfriend sarah's birthday and she already said she wouldn't be upset if i went but uh <laughs> I'm, I'm not i'm not at the circle jerks uh, negative approach show in buffalo right now for the same reason like i had a ride to it and i was like man her and i haven't gone on a date in like a long time and we had a kid last year so i kind of would rather do that first you know what i mean before i go to any out of town shows
1: yeah man i know you, you gotta you you know you wanna you gotta put family you got to put family first sometimes and like that's why like a lot of my when i talk about plans and stuff it's like i try and plan as much in advance as i can um to do anything really uh like getting up there recording and stuff so um i was gonna say negative approach actually played in new york when i was there like literally around the corner from my apartment but i was moving that day (laughs) so i didn't get to go but i i I, but one of the funniest things about negative approach to me is is i think that the singer is a saint literally like the same age as my dad (laughs) (laughs) Which you know, I don't which is like I'm not that's not making fun of them either. It's just like it's crazy because like, yeah, yeah, that's how old those dudes were. And like my like I told you, my, my dad, like he was into like new wave, he wasn't into punk, but he like is definitely knows about punk. He doesn't want to talk about how much he knows. Yeah. I think I think he has like sort of ironic distance from his kids. Um but he was into like a lot of new wave bands and stuff in the early 80s, which is you know sort of tangential to that. But I remember thinking at the time, like that's crazy. That he's playing because like i'm like my dad's just sitting at home watching watching old movies <laughs> or whatever like you know uh and this guy's like out there like smashing a microphone into his forehead
0: and so. he's like still one of like the the craziest front men like still doing it you know what i mean yeah. like of all the bands that i've seen live like he's one of the And I, I wasn't scared of him you know what i mean but it's he had like the craziest stage presence you know what i
1: mean like it just i mean he was there at the time yeah but uh yeah, sorry, man, I keep telling you I'm gonna let you go because it's uh, so late there and I keep forgetting But uh No, we're, we're good, I gotta, I
0: gotta finish editing the episode that people have already heard uh, by the time this one airs. So I'm gonna be up for a little bit after this. So I, I guess with that being said, um, do you have any closing comments or shout outs or anything else you wanna add that we didn't already talk about?
1: No, thanks, you know, thanks to you for having me and for all the uh, support you gave, Starship Fall and the, and the Red Death uh back in those days. Uh, uh, and for doing, you know, doing this podcast, you know, doing all this stuff you're doing with Greg. I mean, I love, you know, he's, I love hearing from you guys when you guys are doing stuff together and, and, and you know, talking about all these old times and bringing them to people now, like it's really, uh, really incredible. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I just, I do want to like, yeah, of course say like, you know, like shout out to Greg, you know, and, and Eric for being, uh, you know, my bandmate for so long and Sean now too, uh, and also to, uh, Paul and Josh and Dominic, um, I just didn't know where I, mean, I was ever in the band with Aaron. He's a nice guy, <laughs> but like, I was like, yeah, Paul and Josh and Dominic, like, you know, I really did like love, uh, spending time with them and playing music with them. It really was an incredible experience, uh, that I, that I've never forgotten. And, uh, you know, really it's just some of the great, some great times there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's all.
0: All right. I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, I want to thank Nate Golia for taking the time to do the interview. Like I said, I know it's been a long time coming. Uh, as always, uh, I also want to thank Greg Benoit, as well as Rob Antonucci, uh, Jim Lobetz, my family, and everyone else who helps out with the podcast. You know who you are. Um, I got a bunch of stuff coming up. I'm going to record these episodes in a weird order again, so uh, I'm not sure what the next one is as of right now, but you'll, you'll see it soon. Just keep your eyes on the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See everybody real soon and stay safe.